You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Hey, it's Michelle. Welcome back to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a subject that is sometimes controversial and sometimes difficult. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and many women that I speak to have some type of abuse that's happened in their background, whether it was from their family of origin, something that might have happened in their younger years, or something that was in their marriage itself. This is an issue that is often difficult for us to talk about, and it's often uncomfortable for many people in the Christian community. And what I'd like to do is just shine some light on this and talk about what does the Bible say about these things and how we can approach it so that we can start to break down some of the barriers and some of the cloudiness that exists around issues of abuse and domestic violence so that we can create a dialogue and just continue a conversation that will bring lasting healing. When you've been through an abusive situation, you are going to behave differently. You're going to feel differently. And it is probably going to be difficult for you to have other people around you understand. I want you to expect that because it will allow you to have some compassion for yourself, but also compassion for those people around you as you try to gain some support. You know, I kind of look at it like this, like very often you'll have one side that's never encountered abuse before. And so they don't really know how bad, bad really can be. And then on the flip side, if you've been through abuse, you may not know really what good looks like. And so you may not be able to effectively communicate your particular circumstances because to you, bad is normal. And so you're coming from a place of not really knowing how good, good can be. And so there's this great big disconnect sometimes between being able to convey really how bad what's going on is, especially because you may have started to minimize it, but then also for other people to be able to understand how bad bad really is if they've never seen anything like it before. And I kind of want to come in here as an interpreter. I think that's one of my biggest things is realizing that sometimes we're just not speaking the same language. We might actually care about each other, but then it just doesn't come out right or it comes out sideways because we're just not speaking the same language. And so I'm hoping with some of what we'll be talking about that it will just be some of that information that will help to bridge that gap that we can have an effective dialogue about these things and have meaningful communication that brings light and hope into these situations that, let's face it, they're pretty dark. I want to keep it light on the sponsorships in this episode, but I do want to make sure that you know about Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that's available remotely, and you can access it through an app on your smartphone. If you're going through complex issues like abuse, it's very important that you get started having a conversation about handling these issues so that you can get yourself to not only safety, but the healing. If you go to getfaithful.com slash single mom, you can get 10% off of your first month. So if you're struggling to understand either what you're in right now, or maybe something you've gone through in the past, I hope you'll have a look at Faithful Counseling. Now you'll notice through the course of this episode, I will often refer to men as the abusers and women as the abused. It certainly goes both ways, but as we've talked about before on the Christian Single Moms podcast, our audience is single moms, so that's why I approach it that way. Now, if this is not something that pertains to you, I'd love it if you would still listen in on the conversation because it's very likely that someone close to you has experienced or is experiencing domestic violence. 
one in three women will experience some kind of abuse in the course of their lives. And the thing that we have to realize is that domestic violence isn't necessarily physical violence alone. Domestic violence includes things like emotional abuse and spiritual abuse, financial abuse. We talked about all the different kinds of abuse in episode two of the Christian Single Moms podcast. And it's essential to understand that all of these various types of abuse, the one common thread that they have is that abuse by definition is misusing personal power to control another person. I think the first thing that we have to realize is that God hates abuse. And the book of Proverbs is extremely clear on this. I'm reading from Proverbs 6, starting at verse 16, going to verse 19. It says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. If you do any research on abuse, you'll find some of the hallmarks of abusive behavior are all mentioned here. It's talking about things like arrogance and lying. It talks about distorting the truth and manipulating people to get one's own way. And that by its very definition is abuse. Now, as far as how to handle these types of issues, the Bible's actually pretty explicit about this as well in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. Now that's up through verse 5. And again, this details very clearly the characteristics of abusive behavior. This verse describes people who are manipulative and greedy, cruel, but it also says that they're people who are going to look religious. And a lot of times we don't think that these kind of things could happen in our church community because everybody seems to be following along in line. But this verse tells us they're going to look like they're religious, but they're going to deny it's God's power, which means that we're actually extremely likely to be experiencing this in our congregations, and we're also very likely to be tricked. In this letter, Timothy is being warned about people who may come into the congregation to deceive and manipulate, and he's told explicitly to avoid such people. What I think is most telling actually about this passage is the verses following it. Starting in verse 6, it says, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Now, I want to park on this part of the verse for just a second. When it talks about weak women, what it's talking about here is the fact that women are more susceptible to abusive relationships. And I think if we look back into Genesis, that gives us such a great picture of how this actually plays out. So if we look at the creation account and Adam and Eve were in perfect harmony in the garden, Eve was the one who was deceived and that she was tricked 
because we just know, generally speaking, of course, from men and women, the way that God created us, he created us somewhat differently, that there are different strengths that each of the sexes has. And women being somewhat more relationally attuned, more connected in the sense of friendships and community and relationship, that that's an incredibly strong gift, but it's also a place that's easily exploited. And when we talk about weak women here, there's also a a pointing towards maybe some leanings either in naivety or trusting people too easily, or even some leaning towards codependency. You know, when Adam and Eve are being exiled from the garden, God tells woman that she is now going to have her desire be for her husband, but that he is going to rule over her. And that's not God's design. That's not the way that he intended it to be. He intended Adam and Eve to be partners side by side together, but that now there was going to be sort of this likelihood to have upset in the balance where women were more likely now to want to have validation to come from their relationships, especially relationships with men, that there may be insecurity now that's planted in there and that there's going to be an offset between the connection that she's going to seek and man's likelihood to pursue other things above relationality with her. And certainly codependency and things like that happen in men as well. But as we're relating it to this verse, it just talks about the unique sensitivities that women have and why women are more susceptible to being led astray by abusive men. And something that's really important to understand in this as well is that it's not always going to be that quote unquote, the weak woman is someone who is very easily deceived that you can see on the surface that, oh yeah, she's always running after guys. And certainly that does happen, but this can be a woman who is strong and confident. She's successful. She's accomplished. It's very common that a woman in that situation can be also deceived. It doesn't mean she's without insecurity. It doesn't mean that her success in work or in life is what's really filling her up. If she has this deep longing for relationship, she may end up in relationship with someone who's not able to really value that appropriately. But the connection there might just feel so good if you're longing after that, that you end up in that kind of relationship. That was certainly my profile. I was extremely confident in myself and extremely accomplished, but also had this really deep underpinning of of insecurity and loneliness. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that weak woman doesn't necessarily look like any particular one profile of woman. There are just things in our nature as nurturers that would cause us to potentially be more at risk than the average man in this type of situation. The other thing I want to point to here is that avoid such people has a process. There is the need to confront it before the situation would occur where we would say that you would need to get away from a person in this situation. Now, certainly that confrontation process is something that has to be done in a safe manner. A woman has to know that she is safe and that her children are safe first before she would go about confronting this. And that is something that even I'm not fully equipped to teach someone how to do that, but there are domestic violence hotlines and things like that that would be excellent resources that you should consult with first before any type of confrontation would happen. Now, as far as confrontation is concerned, there may be some things that a domestic violence hotline would recommend or have you steer away from based on your specific circumstance. Also, the Bible, though, does give guidance in Matthew 18 as far as how we go about addressing sin with someone and really determining, is this a person who 
is willing to see their sin and is willing to do something about it? Or is this an unrepentant person who's not willing to have a look at the way that they're living their life? This is where enabling comes in, where we're afraid to allow a person to deal with the weight of the consequences of their actions. So often we may feel like, oh, I don't want to confront this. You know, I think he'll get it eventually and those sorts of things. And we may even believe that he could change that, you know, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. I don't want to ruin his reputation because I think he can get past this. But sometimes the only way that a person who is abusing someone is going to change is if that behavior is called out. And then if they have to have the weight of some of those consequences that you cannot continue to just perpetually sin and then have it covered up for you, that only keeps an abusive cycle going around and around and around. And it's allowing that person to sin. It's allowing that person to tear their relationship up with God. And while you're not responsible for fixing that, it is actually not the loving thing to do to allow that person to continue to hurt you and hurt themselves. So let's talk a little bit about Matthew 18 and what it says. Matthew 18 lines out in the Bible the process for addressing sin within the congregation. It talks about the fact that you may go speak to that person face-to-face. Now, again, that might not be the safest route for you to go first, and you may not do that alone. I'd read a book once about a woman who had gone to a public restaurant to confront her ex-husband and asked for police officers to be present. If you are concerned at all about any kind of danger, you do need to make sure, as I said, that you get in touch with a local resource who handles abuse specifically so that you're able to create a safety plan. Matthew 18 then goes on to say that if that person doesn't listen to you, that You bring two or three witnesses before that person and then bring it to the church. And this is one of those things where it can be difficult because many times I hear from women who will say, well, my church pastor took his side or they didn't understand what I was saying to them or they sent us to marriage counseling. And very often they're so well-meaning. And certainly we'd like to involve pastoral leadership in our churches and those kinds of things. But sometimes pastors themselves don't exactly know what the right way to approach these issues is. In 2018, LifeWay Research conducted a study with 1,000 pastors, and half of all of the pastors surveyed said that they didn't feel that they had adequate training to address issues of abuse. The other thing that's really detrimental is a lot of times what we would think is the best line of defense is not. So, for example, it's very common for a woman to come forward as a sufferer of abuse, and she herself actually looked like she is the one who's kind of crazy and off the rails. This is something I talked about in episode 25 with Leslie Vernick, that when a woman is being abused, psychologically, there comes a point where she's not able to take it and oftentimes retaliates. Now, it's not right, and we do have to make sure that if we're in this situation that we guard ourselves, that we are not reacting in abuse but it does happen. And sometimes what happens depending on the situation is that the abuser can actually look like the one who's got it all together. So the first thing I think that's difficult about having this conversation is being able to have that kind of discernment. But the second thing is very often if you'd see this in a relationship, you would think that, well, the couple just needs to go to marriage counseling. And the research shows that this is extremely dangerous for a person who's being abused and that an abusive person's behavior is completely theirs. It's them processing their own issues in an unhealthy way and then inflicting them upon someone else. It's not a relationship dynamic. But that's something that's not readily apparent on the surface. And again, this is something that I spoke with Leslie Vernick about, but not everyone is aware of research like this. 
I typically recommend for women that you go and get counseling on your own. Find out what it is you're dealing with and find out the ways that you can deal with it. It's one of those things that if you are reactionary, if you are feeling a little bit crazy, it is normal that that would happen to you if you're in an abusive situation. But you have to be able to also get a stable footing so that when you do bring this to individuals who can help you in your life, let's say a pastor or a women's minister, for example, that you're establishing some credibility. And it's difficult. I hate that we have to even say that, that you have to be credible when you're being abused, but it's the reality of the situation. And you do need to take care of what's going on internally with you no matter what anyway. Your road to healing is not going to be through somebody else changing their behavior. Your road to healing is in seeing where you are at and where you want to be and walking in that direction and choosing it on your own for yourself and your life. So that's why it's so critical to get with a counselor so you can understand what is happening so that you're able to speak intelligently to it and help those people who you need to help you. But very often in our communities, there are people who have dealt with these types of issues before and have the ability to speak into the situation. At the end of this part of Matthew 18, Jesus then says, if this person doesn't listen to you, then you're to treat them as an unbeliever. And it doesn't mean that this person is now like quote unquote dead to us, but it does mean that the nature of the relationship has changed and that we are turning this person over to God at this point to handle their sin and that we're supposed to separate ourselves. We can pray for this person. We certainly still want to have boundaries with this person, but be kind to this person. And there's all kinds of different ways to do that. But it's important to understand that even Jesus in the gospels lines out ways that we do need to separate ourselves from unchecked evil that's happening in our lives. And we have to call that. We have to say that abuse is evil. If God hates it, it's evil. And I think so often we're uncomfortable with that. We're uncomfortable with saying that something is evil. And we're not saying that now you have to like classify this person as evil, but certainly what they're giving their lives over to is evil. And we become the company that we keep. So what we're going to do here this month on the Christian Single Moms podcast is I'm going to run a feature all month long on issues of domestic violence so that we can start to dig up great resources when it comes to how to handle these things both from a psychological perspective, but also a spiritual perspective. As I just showed you, the Bible is very clear that we're to tackle issues of abuse, that abuse is no different than any other sin. If we knew that somebody was a murderer or was stealing thousands of dollars, we would do something about it. And the Bible is clear that abuse is no different. So many of us have grown up with the idea that abuse is something that we can just love away, that if we're just good enough, these things could change. In Matthew 10, 14, Jesus actually advised his disciples that if they were to go into a community and they were not received, not to stand there and try to make friends with everybody and make it all happen, he told them that they should shake the dust off of their cloaks and leave, and that the retaliation against that city could be great. Jesus himself withdrew many times from those who would try to pursue him, and there are multiple places in the Bible where we are told to separate ourselves from evil, that we're supposed to expose the works of darkness. If we're sweeping it under a rug or we're actually giving accountability to both parties when it's really something that, that lies within the abuser himself, we're actually contributing to the problem. We're keeping it in darkness. And that darkness spreads. It spreads through the abuser. It spreads through his wife. It spreads through their children and has long-lasting effects bringing it out into the light is so critical because God loves all of the people involved in this situation. 
God loves the person who's being abused. God loves the abuser and God loves their children. And he does not want to see the members of his family falling into the evil schemes of the enemy. And so when we expose these things in the right way, and it's very important that it's done in the right way, but when we do expose these things, it offers an opportunity for help and healing for one, if not all of the participants. Now this month, I also want to ask you for some help with spreading this message to other women who need it. And there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the first things is to follow Agape Moms on Facebook or Instagram. Again, that's at Agape Moms. And if you see a post that's really interesting or you think would connect with a woman that you know, go ahead and send it to her. If there's something that resonates with you on the podcast, you can share it in a story or even leave a review. You know, the reviews are really critical for a lot of women that I hear from because they're able to read them and know, okay, this is a place where I feel like I'm safe. This is a place where they're talking about the things that I'm going through and I'm not alone and it's going to be okay. Hope is so contagious. It's so wonderful to see how you all are encouraging each other back and forth and you don't even know it. And when I see your emails, you're encouraging me too. So I know you'll hear a lot of podcasters will say, oh, subscribe, review, all this kind of stuff. But single mom issues and issues of domestic violence are not talked about in our churches as often and as loudly as they should be. And this is the place where we're going to start that dialogue. And I just pray that God would continue to use our little steps to make that conversation grow. That what's starting out as a little flame would just become a burning fire and that we would see the culture in our churches shift where we know how to handle these issues, that we can see them and that everybody can receive a hope and healing that they need instead of being shrouded in darkness and shame. I'm so thankful that you joined me for this episode. And if this spoke to you in any way, I just want you to know that God loves you and he sees you and my heart is with you. I'm praying that you'll know God's love and his comfort for you. And I am looking forward to having you with me next time.